Welcome to That Premium Thing with James. I'm your host, James. Thank you for being a patron. Uh, your patronage is very much appreciated by me. And uh, it feels good. It feels good to have you here. And it feels good to be able to tell you the rest of this story about the Count of Saint-Germain. Continuing the story, and we're going further back in time to hear about, see, in the free episode, I talked about Jacques Saint-Germain in New Orleans around 1901 or so. Well, now we're going back to the 1700s. Count of Saint-Germain uh, was a European adventurer known with, uh, with an interest in science, alchemy, and the arts, he achieved prominence in European high society in the mid-1700s, yada, yada, yada. I read about that part in the free episode. Now, on to the stuff we didn't get to. Background. The Count claimed to be the son of Francis II Rakoci, the Prince of Transylvania, which could possibly be unfounded. However, this would account for his wealth and fine education. The will of Francis II Rakosi mentions his eldest son, Leopold George, who was believed to have died at the age of four. The speculation is that his identity was safeguarded as a protective measure from the pre, uh, per persecutions, easy for me to say, of the Habsburg dynasty. At the time of his arrival in Schleswig uh, in 1779, Saint-Germain told Prince Charles of Hesse Castle that he was 88 years old. What? This would place his birth in 1691, when Francis II Rakoshi was 15 years old. Saint-Germain was supposedly educated in Italy, but the, by the last of the Medicis, uh, Jean Gaston, his alleged mother's brother-in-law. He was believed to be a student at the University of Siena, and throughout his adult life, he deliberately spun a confusing web to conceal his actual name and origins, using different pseudonyms in the different places of Europe that he visited. Quote, uh, the Marquis de Crequy declared that Saint-Germain was an Alsatian Jew, Simon Wolfe by name, and was born at Strasbourg by about the... A or about the close of the 17th century or the beginning of the 18th century. Others insist that he was a Spanish Jesuit named Aymar, and others again uh, intimate, uh, imit intimate, easy for me to say, that his true title was the Marquis de Betmar, and that he was a native of Portugal. His most plausible theory, however, makes him the natural son of an Italian princess and fixes his birth at San Germano in Savoy about the year 1710, his ostensible father being one Rotondo, a tax collector in that district. That was written by uh, Phineas Taylor Barnum, uh, The hum Humbugs of the World, 1886. Okay, 
historical figure. He appears to have begun to be known under the title of Count Saint-Germain during the early 1740s. England. According to David Hunter, the Count attributed to some of the songs uh, to Le Inconstanza de Lusa, an opera performed at the Haymarket Theatre in London on all but one of the Saturdays from 9 February to 20 April 1745. Later, in December of the same year, Horace Walpole mentions the Count Saint-Germain as being arrested in London on suspicion of espionage. This was during the Jacobite Rebellion of 1745, but released without charge. Quote, the other day, they seized an odd man who goes by the name of Count Saint-Germain. He has been here these two years and will not tell us who he is or whence, but professes two wonderful things. The first, that he does not go by his right name. The second, that he never had any dealings with any woman, nay, nor any, uh, What the fuck is succiandum? Let's see. What is this succiandum? modern latin neuter uh a substitute or replacement for something else medicine yeah i have no fucking idea what that means um medicine uh, anyway, continuing with this quote, he sings, plays on the violin wonderfully, composes, is mad and not very sensible. He is called an Italian, a Spaniard, a Pole, a somebody that married a great fortune in Mexico and ran away with her jewels to Constantinople, a priest, a fiddler, a nobleman. The Prince of Wales has had unsatiated curiosity about him, but in vain. However, nothing has been made out against him he is released and what convinces me that he is not a gentleman stays here and talks of his being taken up for a spy end quote so he might have been a spy maybe he was a con man maybe he was an actual fucking vampire just go with me it gets weirder the Count gave two private musical performances in London on April and May of 1749. On one such occasion, Lady Jemima York, well, that's quite a name, uh, described how she was very much entertained by him or at him the whole time. I mean, the oddness of his manner, which it is impossible not to laugh at. Otherwise, you know, he is very sensible and well-bred in conversation. She continued, quote, he is an odd creature, and the more I see him, the more curious I am to know something about him. He is everything with everybody. He talks ingeniously with Mr. Ray, philosopher with Lord Willoughby, and is gallant with Miss York, Miss Carpenter, and all the young ladies. But the character and philosopher is what he seems to pretend to, and to be a good deal conceited of. The others are put on to comply with les manières des mondes, but that you, the manners of the world, but that that you are supposed 
but that you are to suppose his real characteristic. And I can't fancy, but he is a great pretender in all kinds of science, as well as that he has acquired an uncommon share in some, end quote. Walpole reports that Saint-Germain, quote, spoke Italian, French, and with the greatest facility, though it was evident that neither was his language. He understood Polish and soon learned to understand English and talk it a little, but Spanish or Portuguese seemed his natural language, end quote. Walpole, continue, er, Walpole concludes that the Count was a man of quality who had been in or designed for the church. Uh, he was too great a musician not to have been famous if he had not been a gentleman. Walpole describes the Count as pale, with extremely black hair and beard. Quote, he dressed magnificently and had several jewels and was clearly receiving a large remittances, but made no other figure. So he had a lot of money, but no one knew where it was coming from. France. Saint-Germain appeared in the French court around 1748. In 1749, he was employed by Louis XV for diplomatic missions. A mime and English comedian known as Milord Gower impersonated Saint-Germain in Paris salons. His stories were wilder than the real counts, that, the, that he had advised Jesus, for example. Inevitably, hearsay of his routine got confused for the original. Giacomo Casanova, <laughs> another great fucking name, Giacomo Casanova, describes in his memoirs several meetings with the celebrated and learned impostor. On his first meeting in Paris in 1757, he writes, quote, the most enjoyable dinner I had was with Madame de Robert Gergi. Excuse me. That's not in the quote. <laughs> Continuing the quote now. Who came with the famous adventurer known by the name of the Count de Saint-Germain. This individual, instead of eating, talked from the beginning of the meal to the end. And I followed his example in one respect, as I did not eat, but listened to him with the greatest attention. It may safely be said that, as a conversationalist, he was unequaled. Saint-Germain gave himself out for a marvel and always aimed at exciting amazement, which he often succeeded in doing. He was a scholar, linguist, musician, and he modestly confessed, uh, which he modestly confessed was beyond him, but that their beauty would be preserved by means of a wash, which, he said, cost him a lot of money, but which he gave away freely. He, he had contrived to gain the favor of Madame Pompadour, who had spoken about him to the king, for whom he had made a laboratory, in which the monarch, a martyr to boredom, tried to find a little pleasure or distraction at all events by making dyes. 
The king had given him a suite of rooms at the Chambord and a hundred thousand francs for the construction of a laboratory, and according to Saint-Germain, the dyes discovered by the king would have a materially beneficial influence on the quality of French fabrics. This extraordinary man, intended by nature to be the king of impostors and quacks, would say in an easy, assured manner that he was three hundred years old, that he knew the secrets of the universal medicine, that he possessed a mastery over nature, that he could melt diamonds, professing himself capable of forming out of ten or twelve small diamonds one large of the finest water without loss of weight. This, all this, he said, was a mere trifle to him. Notwithstanding his boastings, his barefaced lies, and his manifold eccentricities. I cannot say I thought him offensive. In spite of my knowledge of what he was, and in spite of my own feelings, I thought him an astonishing man, as he was always astonishing me. Dutch Republic in March 1760, at the height of the Seven Years' War, Saint-Germain traveled to The Hague. In Amsterdam, he stayed at the bankers Adrian and Thomas Hope and pretended he came to borrow money for Louis XV with diamonds as collateral. He assisted Bertram Philip, Count of uh, Gronsveld, uh, stating a porcelain factory in Vips, Visp as furnace and color specialist. Saint-Germain tried to open peace negotiations between Britain and France with the help of Duke Louis Ernest of Brunswick-Lundberg. Uh, British diplomats concluded that Saint-Germain had the backing of the Duc de Belle-Isle and possibly of Madame de Pompadour, who were trying to outmaneuver the French foreign minister, the pro-Austrian Duc de Choiseul. However, Britain would not treat with Saint-Germain unless his credentials came directly from the French king. The Duc de Choiseul convinced Louis XV to vis disavow Saint-Germain and demand his arrest. Count Bretnik de Rune, a Dutch diplomat, regarded the arrest warrant as an internal French politicking in which Holland should not involve itself. So apparently, uh, Count Saint-Germain had become uh, sort of a, oh God, what is that guy? Rasputin-like figure in that he had worked himself into French aristocracy and there was a lot of quibbling and a lot of quabbling over who the fuck is this guy and what should we do with him um yada 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 the rest of this Dutch Republic thing's boring so let's skip forward to death. In 1779 Saint-Germain arrived in Altona in Schleswig, where he made an acquaintance with Prince Charles of Hesse Castle, who had an interest in mysticism and was a member of several secret societies. 
The Count showed the prince several of his gems, and he convinced the latter that he had invented a new method of coloring cloth. The prince was impressed and installed the court in a... in an abandoned... Oh, wait. I'm reading this wrong. Hold on. The prince was impressed and installed the count in an abandoned factory in Eckernford that he had acquired especially for the count and supplied him with the materials and cloths that Saint-Germain needed to proceed with the project. The two met frequently in the following years, and the prince outfitted a laboratory for alchemical experiments in his nearby summer residence of Luisenlund, where they, among other things, cooperated in creating gemstones and jewelry. The prince later recounts in a letter that he was the only person in whom the count truly confided. He told the prince that he was the son of the Transylvanian prince Francis Rakowski, and that he had been 88 years of age when he arrived in Schleswig. The count died in his residence in the factory on February 27th of 1784, while the prince was staying in Kassel, uh, and the death was recorded in the register of St. Nikolai Church in Eckernford. He was buried on the 2nd of March, and the, coast, uh, and the cost of the burial was listed in the accounting books of the church the following day. The official burial site for the count is at Nikolai Church uh, in Eckernfurt. Uh, he was buried in a private grave. On April 3rd the same year, the mayor and city council of Eckernfurt issued an official proclamation about the auctioning off of the count's remaining effects in case no living relative would appear with a designated t- within a designated time period to lay claim on them. Um, Prince Charles donated the factory to the crown and it was afterwards converted into a hospital. Jean Overton Fuller uh, found during her research that the Count's estate upon his death was a packet of paid and receipted bills and quittances. Um, eight Reichschlackers, <laughs> however you say that, 13 shillings, yada, yada, yada. No diamonds, jewels, gold, or any other riches were listed, nor were kept cultural items from travels, personal items like violins or any notes or anything. Um, and then here's listed a bunch of music by the Count. He's written sonatas, solos, English songs, Italian arias, a lot, a lot of Italian arias. 46, as a matter of fact. There have been uh, literature written on him. He's in fiction. So was this guy a vampire? I don't know, man. I don't know. Probably not. Uh, I'd like to see if there are remains and if those, it's hard to tell, you know, because back then it was pretty easy to, you know, fake a death. Um, was this guy a grifter? It's very possible that he was indeed a grifter. Um, it was, he could have been a spy maybe, 
Who knows where the money came from? The guy just made up stories all along. Maybe this Jacques Saint-Germain, who happened to look like the Count Saint-Germain from 100 years prior, um, just heard about the Count and was like, ooh, I'm going to party like that. But then where did that guy's money come from? He just arrived out of nowhere and then disappeared out of nowhere. I may, maybe there's something on Reddit about him. Let's see. Okay, this one is at r slash high strangeness. I've never heard of this. Um, is it possible? Uh, oh, posted by you uh, slash make mind free to go uh, from five years ago. Uh, title is Saint Germain, the immortal count. Is it possible that a man can achieve immortality to live forever? That is the startling claim of a historical figure known as Count de Saint-Germain. Saint -Germain. Records date his birth back to the late 1600s, although some believe that his longevity reaches back to the time of Christ. He appears many times throughout history, even as recently as the 1970s, because there was a French guy, who, uh, a, a magician, who also looked kind of similar who claimed to be Count Saint-Germain, although some say this guy was just yet another grifter who uh, started out as a petty thief in Lyon and then became a sort of like a TV personality in, uh, in the 70s in France, but he claimed to be Count Saint-Germain. He was a handsome guy too, um, but... Uh, uh, even as recently as the 1970s, um, always appearing to be about 45 years old. He was known by many as the, uh, uh, by many of the most famous figures of European society, including Casanova, Madame de Pompadour, Voltaire, King Louis XV, Catherine the Great, Anton Mesmer, and others. So who was this mysterious man? Are the stories of his immortality mere legend and folklore? Or is it possible that he really did discover the secret of defeating death. Origins. When the man who first became known as Saint-Germain was born, or when he was born is unknown, although most accounts say he was born in the 1690s. A genealogy compiled by Anne Besant for her co-authored book, The Comte de Saint-Germain, The Secret of Kings, uh, asserts that he was born uh, the son of Francis Rokoski II, Prince of Transylvania, in 1690. Other accounts, taken less seriously by most, say that he was alive in the time of Jesus and attended, attended the wedding at Cana, where the young Jesus turned water into wine. He was also said to be present at the Council of Nicaea in 325 AD. What is most uh, unanimously agreed upon, however, is that Saint-Germain became accomplished in the art of alchemy, the mystical science that strives to control elements. The foremost goal of this practice was the creation of a projection powder, or the elusive philosopher's stone, which, it was claimed, when added into the molten form of such base metals as lead, could turn them into pure silver or gold. Furthermore, this magical power could be used in an elixir that would impart immortality on those who drank it. 
Count de Saint-Germain is, it is believed, discovered this alchemy. Courting European Society Saint-Germain first came into prominence in the High Society of Europe in 1742. He had just spent five years in, um, in the Shah of Persia's court, where he had learned the jeweler's craft. He beguiled the royals and the rich with his vast knowledge of science and history, his musical ability, his easy charm and quick wit. He spoke many languages fluently, including French. French, German, Dutch, Spanish, Puerto-Guese, Russian, and English, and was further familiar in Chinese, Latin, Arabic, even ancient Greek and Sanskrit. How the fuck is this even real? Is this even fucking real? I want this to be real. I want him to still be around. I want to be him. I want to be a vampire. I don't care. That's the question. That's the question. Would you would you, dear viewer or listener, want to become a vampire? If given the opportunity, would you take it? Let me know. Uh, you know, comment on my on my um, subreddit. I'll make a post r slash that thing with James. Send me an email. I'll read about it. Uh, email me at that thing with James at gmail dot com. Uh, hit me up on social media at me at James J. Asher, you know, hit me up on Twitter. Would you become a vampire if given the opportunity? I, I think I would, I would do it. I've thought about this for years. If it's real, if it is real, who knows, who knows? There's so much we don't know, you know, we don't know what we don't know. And there are some things that we don't know that we do know. Anyway, Back to this, it might have been his extraordinary learnedness that led acquaintances to see that he was a remarkable man, but an anecdote from 1760 most likely gave rise to the notion that Saint-Germain could be immortal. In Paris that year, Countess von Giorgi heard that a Count de Saint-Germain had arrived for a soiree at the home of Madame de Pompadour, mistress of King Louis XV of France. The elderly Countess was curious because she had known a Count de Saint-Germain while in Venice in 1710. Upon meeting the Count again, she was astonished to see that he hadn't appeared to age, and asked him if it was his father that she knew in Venice. No, madame, he replied, but I myself was living in Venice at the end of the last and the beginning of this century. I had the honor to pay your court then." End quote. Forgive me, but that is impossible, uh, the perplexed countess said. The Count de Saint-Germain I knew in those days was at least 45 years old, and you, at the outside, are that age at present. Madame, I am very old, he said with a knowing smile. But then you must be nearly 100 years old, said the astonished Countess. That is not possible, the Count told her matter-of-factly, then continued to contrive, uh, convince the Countess that he was indeed the same man she knew with the details of their previous meetings and of life in Venice fifty years earlier. Ever-present, 
never aging. Saint-Germain traveled extensively throughout Europe over the next 40 years and in all that time never seemed to age. Those who met him were impressed by his many abilities and peculiarities. He could play the violin like a virtuoso. He was an accomplished painter. Wherever he traveled, he set up an elaborate laboratory, presumably for his alchemy work. He seemed to be a man of great wealth, but was not known to have any bank accounts. If it was due to his ability to transmute base metals into gold, he never performed the feat for observers. He dined often with friends because he enjoyed their company, but was rarely seen to eat food in public. He subsisted, it was said, on a diet of oatmeal. He prescribed receipts for the removal of facial wrinkles and for dyeing hair. He loved jewels, and much of his clothing, including his shoes, were studded with them. He had perfected a technique for painting jewels. He claimed to be able to fuse several small diamonds into large ones. He also said he could make pearls to grow to incredible sizes. He had been linked to several secret societies, including the Rosicrucians, uh, Rosicrucians, Freemasons, the Society of Asiatic Brothers, the Knights of Light, the Illuminati, and the Order of the Templars. The renowned 18th century philosopher Voltaire, himself a respected man of science and reason, said of Saint-Germain that he is a man who never dies and who knows everything. Throughout the 18th century, Count de Saint-Germain continued to use his seemingly endless knowledge of the world in the politics and social intrigues of the European elite. In the 1740s, he became a trusted diplomat in the court of King Louis XV of France, performing secret missions for him in England. In 1760, he performed a similar function at The Hague, where he met the infamous lover Giacomo Girolamo Casanova. Casanova later said of Saint-Germain, this extraordinary man would say in an easy, assured manner that he was 300 years old, and that he knew the secret of universal medicine. Yeah, we read that already. In 1762, he traveled to Russia, where it is said he was complicit in a conspiracy that placed Catholic the Great on the throne. He later advised the commander of the Imperial Russian armies in the war against Turkey, which they won. In 1774, he returned to France when Louis XVI and Marie Antoinette occupied the throne. He allegedly warned them of the revolution that was to come 15 years in the future. And in 1779, he went to Hamburg, Germany, where he befriended Prince Charles of Hasse-Kassel for the next five years. He lived as a guest in the prince's castle at Eckernfurt, and according to local records, that is where Saint-Germain died in February 27th, 1782. But then, back from the dead... For any ordinary mortal, that would be the end of the story, but not for Count de Saint-Germain. He would continue to be seen throughout the 19th century and into the 20th century. 
1785, he was seen in Germany with Anton Mesmer, the pioneer hypnotist. Some claim that it was Saint-Germain who gave Mesmer the basic ideas for hypnotism and personal magnetism. Official records of Freemasonry show that they chose Saint-Germain as their representative for a convention in 1785. After the taking of the Bastille in the French Revolution of 1789, the Countess de Ademar said she had a lengthy conversation with the Count de Saint-Germain. He allegedly told her of France's immediate future as if he knew what was to come. Well, this, I'm getting creeped out. In 1821, she wrote, I have seen Saint-Germain again, each time to my amazement. I saw him when the Queen Antoinette was murdered on the 18th of Bor uh, Brumaire, uh, on, the, on the day following the de death of Duc de Aiguignes, how do you say that, in January of 1815, and on the eve of the murder of Duc de Berry. <laughs> Duc de Berry, all right. The last time she saw him was in 1820, and each time he appeared to be no older than in his mid-forties. After 1821, Saint-Germain may have taken on another identity. In his memoirs, Albert Van Damme wrote of meeting a man who bore a striking resemblance to the Count de Saint-Germain, but who went by the name of Major Fraser. Van Damme wrote, quote, he called himself Major Fraser. <laughs> that is a fake name for Major Fraser. That sounds like something out of Catch-22. Major, 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 Major. <laughs> he called himself Major Fraser, lived alone, and never alluded to his family. Moreover, he was lavish with money, though the source of his fortune remained a mystery to everyone. He possessed a marvelous knowledge of all the countries in Europe at all periods. His memory was absolutely incredible, and curiously enough, he often gave his hearers to understand that he had acquired his learning elsewhere than from books." Many is the time he has told me with a strange smile that he was certain he had known Nero, had spoken with Dante, and so on. End quote. Major Fraser disappeared without a trace. Between 1880 and 1900, Saint-Germain's name once again became prominent when members of the Theosophical Society, including the famed mystic Helena Blavatsky, Helena Blavatsky, claimed that he was still alive and working toward the, quote, spiritual development of the West, end quote. There is an alleged genuine photo taken of Blavatsky and Saint-Germain together, and in 1897, the famous French singer Emma Cave dedicated an autographed portrait of herself to Saint-Germain. The most recent appearance of a man claiming to be Saint-Germain was in 1972 in Paris when a man named Richard Chanfray announced that he was the legendary Count. He appeared on French television to, prov to prove his claim, apparently turned lead into gold on a camp stove before the cameras. Chanfray later committed suicide in 1983. Hmm. 
Very interesting stuff indeed, wouldn't you say? So I wonder, is this just like someone that, uh, you know, it's just an urban legend or what? Who knows? What do you think? Okay, yeah, yeah, I'm making, I'm trying to make a link. I'm saving these for later because I want to find pictures of this guy. Well, that's it. Count de Saint-Germain. I don't even know how to wrap this up. Maybe he's still out there. Maybe he never fucking existed. Again, let me know. Would you become a vampire? And do you think Saint-Germain is real? Hit me up. I love you. Thank you again for being a subscriber, a patron, a member of the Black Diamond Exclusive Club. You're the best. I hope you have a great day. And I'll catch you next time. Bye.